stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. It is showtime, everybody. Welcome to the Brave Maker Show. My name is Tony Gaffastone. I get to be one of your co-hosts. I am an actor and a writer-director. I'm based in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I love talking to filmmakers and creatives all over the world, and we have really special guests for you today. But before we do that, you know my co-hosts and I always do some banter back and forth. Hey, what's going on, Tony? We do have a really exciting day. Um, I am an actor, writer, comic book writer, to be more specific right now, hence the king T'Challa talk. And I'm coming from the East Bay and Dublin, California, and I'm sitting in my studio in front of a plant wall covered with butterflies, and I'm kind of rocking a Frida Kahlo look today. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, and my pronouns are he, she, they, and uh, I'm an African-American woman sitting in a Will power chair, and that's the Will Model C. You got to check it out. It's all-terrain, throw it in the trunk and go. <laughs> we have another Brave Maker crew member who is awesome. His name is Daquan. Richards, and he has a phenomenal series called Breaking Barriers, and he has had some amazing guests on his show. He has George Lopez coming up. Um, I'm watching season one, and he has John, uh, let me get his name right, professional actor Sean Patrick Thomas, who may, you may have known from The Barbershop and Save the Last Dance, and he is on episode one, season one, dropping some serious knowledge bombs for all of you actors and artists out there trying to break your own barriers to make your dreams come to you. Hey, Tony. I think I'm back. back. Oh, gotta, gotta love all of the technical difficulties. We had some beforehand. Now we're here. Whatever. I think we're good. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, you were saying braving your way with breaking barriers. I am going to put that uh, into the chat. So anybody who's watching live or on the replay for our podcast, Breaking Barriers, mm -hmm. barriers by Daquan Richard uh, is a part of Brave Maker. It's really exciting how I'm braving my way. Why do we ask this question every week? We ask this question every week because if you are trying to create art of any kind, trying to be a filmmaker, it takes one decision, one step, one task at a time in order to move your project forward. And this week I had to say no a couple times and I kind of had to stop a couple things. I was going in a direction kind of like, you know, when you're trying to get somewhere and you come up on a dead end, you need to make a U-turn to get out of that dead end. I was finding my, myself going to a dead end multiple times. And whether that was like with a person who wasn't responding, I was like finding myself, why am I begging a person to collaborate? If they don't want to collaborate, <laughs> then I'm not going to use my energy toward them. So I just made some decisions this week that felt like this was braving my way. I had to stop and move forward and find some other way to get this done because I'm trying to get three feature films right now into production, two different short animations. Like you don't got time to waste your energy when it's a dead end. So that was my, my braving my way. Thank you for bearing with me with my with my microphone. If you are braving your way in some way, please share with us what that is. We would love to know. And we'll put those links in the show notes for things that Christina was talking about. But uh, people are loving your flowers, by the way. So you gotta, oh, you gotta see you, that. Crystal. Yeah. Uh, we have a good amount of people watching live today, which is exciting. And I'm gonna tell you that today's guess and work kind of has, has wrecked me a little bit today. I am going through some stuff with my own kids. I'll talk about that a little bit later. And then I will rewatch their short today. And I was feeling 
all sorts of emotions, but it's good. Art is supposed to make you feel. So let's mm -hmm. welcome our Oscar nominated film team. We have right. director Will McCormick, welcome Michael Will. Govier, and welcome producer Michael. Mary Ann. And Marianne, it's so great to have all you guys here. This is great. Oscar nominated film, If Anything Happens, I Love You, is on Netflix. Congratulations. Two weeks ago, it was really fun to watch you all get the nomination. Some of you had some live videos going to see you watching yeah. your television uh, or iPad, wherever you're watching, and see you got all excited. That was super fun. I felt with you how exciting that was. But yeah, yeah thank you for being here today. Thank you for Let's having me. So we, we have to know how did, if anything happens, I love you. How did this come to life? And I want to ask each of you, why was it important to bring this animation, bring this story to life? And let's start with Will. Um, we're so excited to be here with you guys. Thanks so much. Um, you know, as, as Los Angelinos, true to form, we met in an acting class in the Valley, Michael and I, <laughs> and uh, we became uh, fast friends. And, uh, you know, we both discovered that we're writers and, um, we would meet for avocado sandwiches in Griffith park and, and talk about what we were working on and, uh, what we wanted to wrestle with in story. And Michael pitched me this really beautiful, uh, image of these shadow souls that were separated from their human hosts and they couldn't connect because they were in too much pain. And it was a really sort of beautiful kind of Jungian distillation of what grief and loss felt like. And it, I was very moved by it. Um, and then we, you know, we kept seeing and reading and hearing about the, you know, recursive, tragic gun violence that happens over and over and over again um, in America. And we thought, what would it be like to tackle a story um, from a parent's perspective of losing a child? And that was really the genesis of the project. We, we took a year to write the script because it was a very sensitive material. And then the movie um, really became a reality when we met um, dynamic producer, Marianne Gardner, um, who knows how to make movies and get movies made. And uh, that was really the genesis of the project. Well, let's hear from you, Marianne, on that before we go back to Michael here. Mm -hmm. You seem you have a you have a dynamic producing superpower that we, we love that. Tell us about oh, that. I love it. I have very dynamic directors and very dynamic writers and very talented, uh, very talented uh, partners here. But um, yeah, it was uh, I was came off a big commercial film at the time, and I really had never done anything independent, and so I was taking some time off and thinking about doing something along that lines. And then um, a mutual contact that Will and I have, um, Kia Kiadian at, at UTA, uh, told me about uh, their project. And I read their very incredible, very heartfelt script. And, um, you know, I was in. I'm a, you know, the script was powerful um, and also uh, the subject matter. And I have mm -hmm. a couple of teenagers and, I thought this is something really special and something I would be really proud to be a part of. And so uh, luckily Will and Michael had me. So, Michael, mm -hmm. talk about your, your experience here. So you and Will met in acting class, which means you're both actors who are also producing content, which I love. That's something we love talking about at Brave Makers being that multi-hyphenate, those triple quadruple threats. 
but talk about how that relationship happened and how, you know, it seems like you brought this soul shadow idea to mm -hmm. the surface here. Yeah, I, I had, it was so fun. I met Will in this class and um, this is something as far as the mm -hmm. actors out there, you know, Will is an acclaimed writer in his own right. And he wrote the beautiful film, uh, Celeste and Jesse forever. And so on the first day of class, I go in and they give you sides. I'm going to go up and read them. And the sides I get is from this um, film, Celeste and Jesse Forever. And I, I, I didn't know, I had not met Will yet. I didn't know who was literally sitting right next to me. And so I go up and do the sides and, and Will leans over to me in class and he just goes, hey, that was, you did a really good job with that scene. That was really nice. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. And then it was like after class, we're walking out to our cars and Will leans over and goes, hey, I should probably tell you, um, I wrote that with Rashida Jones. And I go, oh, because I had seen the movie. Oh. I, didn't know, I didn't know what the writer looked like. And he had been sitting next to me the whole class. And I just said, thank you for not saying that before we started. Because No I don't big think deal, I think, right? Yeah, I don't think I needed that extra pressure. I was so that like, was that scene that you were great in, I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, actually, the words on the page were really good. Yeah. So you had a lot missed of help. a couple of them. And so I got some notes about your performance. <laughs> like, That's amazing. So it's like we had this fast bond um, right away, and it was wonderful. And then um, what I really wanted to do and Will and all of us wanted to do was just kind of show what grief looks like and kind of show those like quiet moments of grief. And um, that's kind of what we were explored through the film. And like you see that, you know, I think we all are grieving in our lives at all the all kinds of different reasons and different times. And I think we really wanted to show those little quiet moments in the story, like when the when the daughter finds or when the mother finds the daughter's shirt. Like these just little quiet mm -hmm. moments of grief and kind of reflect on that. Yeah, I thought it was a beautiful, intimate look at grief, the way that you captured it and the style of the animation and the spirits. Can you can you tell us how were you moved into that direction to use that type of animation, very minimal color, but the color that was used was so impactful. How did you make those decisions? We talked about color a lot and we wanted the film to look and feel like grief. And we, and we kind of had a cardinal rule. If, if anything didn't need to be in frame, it was stripped away. So even after watching right now, you can see like, there's no real backgrounds. There's a background drawing and watercolors behind it. But you, this is actually seen in the bedroom, but all you're seeing is the bed you're not seeing what the whole room looks like because we really wanted to mm. hang a lantern on the story and on the emotion mm. of that moment. Beautiful. I, yeah. I, I watched that today and I was picking up a lot of the, like what colors you did choose to use and brave maker has just started an animation team. So I'm shouting out our animation team. I know mm -hmm. Sophia is watching and hopefully Trevor and Andrew and Tabitha and Hannah joy, Sophia, I hope you're all watching. Um, but I will talk a little bit about that. Uh, I've watched a bunch of your other interviews, how you all came together. It was, you know, you didn't come with any money, you know, even though you're on Netflix now, but you, you came really with the idea, the passion, the talent. So mm -hmm. talk about some of those decisions when, you know, it sounded like it was happening around one of your kitchen tables. If I remember correctly, I forget where, but it was pre pandemic when everyone was meeting together. But can you talk about how some of those decisions came to be like regarding why you chose to introduce the blue color first and that kind of thing? Yeah, we talked about color a lot. And, and one of the main things is like the blue, especially we wanted to like add color to show what the daughter had touched. So it's kind of like her life, you know, and, and garments and lives, you know, and, and things. It's 
items that she had touched and because she had touched them, they kind of were charged with her life. And we wanted to kind of do that, especially through the blue, the shirt, the soccer ball. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, the shirt and the wall um, that the soccer ball broke uh, right there. And um, so that was the main thing. And in the beginning, we wanted to have like very muted colors that so it looked and felt like grief. Then when you went into memory, all of a sudden you start to see more colors and vibrant colors, but it's still through the present day lens of grief. And that's why you see on the edges, it's still washed out because the parents are really sitting right there in the bedroom um, having that big discussion, even though they're remembering the past, it's still through the present day moment of that loss and that pain. Yeah, it was, it was exciting to move towards, you know, minimalism. We, we were going for total parsimony and style and, um, we wanted the film to feel completely lean and just focus on the emotionality. And it was an exciting um, style to commit to. I mean, it was a little daunting mm -hmm. because, you know, in a movie with no dialogue, um, it's, it's, there's very little on screen deliberately. Um, but, you know, we just thought that we could do um, more with less and it seemed to work. It also works in the sort of memory section of the film when the parents talk about moments from their daughter's lives, because I think when you remember the past, you don't necessarily remember um, everything that was in the room, but you do remember how you felt. So it was a sort of daunting style to commit to, but once we did, it, it was really rewarding and exciting as storytellers. We are so happy that you did commit to the less is more. I, I was really fascinated. Can you talk a little bit about your choice to use the song 1950 by King Princess? Yeah, that song was in the boards from the jump. I mean, we, we love that song and it, it's a beautiful ballad. Um, it's melodic, but also wistful. It's also very cool. And we thought that, mm -hmm. that the girl is very cool. Um, I don't think it occurred to us that we would ever actually be able to get the song because again, we're working on a shoestring budget and King Princess is very famous. However, um, we were able to contact her team and ultimately her and they loved the movie and loved the, the, the message and the style. So um, they gave us a deal on the song and um, she ended up Instagramming about it and I think tweeting. So uh, we're, we're super stoked to have a King Princess song in our film because we just love her and love her music and um, it just felt right and we were lucky to get it. Wow, yeah, that's people. amazing. Talk about reach for the stars. If you want a song, reach out and contact and just ask. <laughs> I love that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have people chiming in. I'm teary already. So, so beautiful. Good work on your film. Did you use Toon Boom or Photoshop? You want to talk about, we have some animators who are asking some questions about what you used, how you created it. Yeah, we used uh, TV Paint was the main animation program that we used. And then uh, we also manipulated image in Photoshop and like scanned backgrounds. And we hand handmade backgrounds that were watercolor backgrounds and then scanned them into Photoshop and then put them into um, TV Paint. And then we edited on um, Adobe Premiere were the main programs that we used. Awesome. Yeah, if you're watching live, please feel free to add your questions or comments. Uh, I would love, we, I always love hearing like, you know, making stuff is, is so hard. It, mm -hmm. it takes so long. It takes so much money. There's so much rejection. You put so much heart into it, but obviously on the other side of it, now Netflix is screening, has it on their platform. You have an Oscar nomination forever. You'll be known as the Oscar nominated filmmaker. Like that's just so cool. 
But can you share a little bit about some of the obstacles that you had to mm -hmm. conquer? Maybe Mariana's producer bringing this to life. There's always so many things that come against us. Can you start and share oh, with us? I mean, we had every obstacle you could imagine. Um, we had, uh, well, the first, we had no money and we had no equipment and we had no resources and we had no artists and we had thousands, if not millions of no's, constant rejection all the time. And um, one thing that really helped us move the needle was the three of us decided no matter what, we're going to meet every single week. And we would meet at Michael's mm -hmm. kitchen table or Will's kitchen table or mine or and um, and we met every single week and we would put our heads together and we would brainstorm about, OK, how can we find storyboard artists? How can we find some equipment? Who might we have in our personal networks that we could call upon for either editing or or for possible financing or um, but yeah, I mean, we were completely uh, homespun. I mean, we even had to, we even borrowed some person's like six or seven year old computer so an editor could do a cut. And at one point we, we had another editor kid who was, you know, uh, uh, in school at the time. And we just got help wherever we could. We just kept asking. And um, so, you know, that was like sort of the beginning of it. Um, and we just supported each other through the um, the constant nose and how to recover from it. And so, you know, to this day, because of an, because of this experience, when I get a no now, I don't miss a beat. I just like pivot and and move. And you know, the three of us love it. <laughs> had a lot a lot of experience uh, to get to that point. One one of the things people keep asking us because you know now we're on Netflix, we're on this bigger platform, and and it's which is amazing, and we're so very grateful for it. But people ask like, um, what's it like being part of Netflix animation? And I go, well, I don't know. I've never even stood in the building because it's like we really <laughs> made this thing completely independently, and then they are now you know distributing it. So it's like the film was a hundred percent done before they even got involved. And so I think there's sometimes an illusion when you see something um, streaming on those platforms that they built every piece of it. So it's just a different kind of thing. Um, I mean, hopefully one day when everything opens up, I get to go in and visit Netflix animation. But <laughs> I, not yet. Friend, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Do you know me? <laughs> hi, hi. I did that. We did that short. Can we look around? There, See what their salad bars like? <laughs> they have really good snacks at Netflix. I've been there. There was a there was an interview with Kobe Bryant a long time ago, and he took thousands and thousands of jump shots a day. I remember some reporter asking him, um, do you take so many so that your percentage goes up so that you make more? And he said, no, I take so many so that I'm okay when I miss. And like, no, for me, awesome. yeah, for me, it was like a good parable for the, for show business, right? Because you, mainly you're missing. And so it's how you react to how you miss. Um, you get it and you shoot again. Right. And you just keep, you just keep taking shots. And I felt like that, um, I'm sorry, that, that's a basketball analogy. I'm sort of a basketball junkie, but like, you know, um, <laughs> it, it really is that way on this movie. Like we missed, missed so many times, but we just kept going. And, you know, for me, um, you know, as a storyteller, 
it it was really rewarding because you 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 don't um, you don't take the nose too too hard. You just you actually I don't. It sounds maybe a little bit masochistic, but you begin to embrace them and you yeah. begin mm-hmm. to envelop them as just part of the journey. Like doubt and rejection is inexorably part of the filmmaking process. And so you begin to accept them and almost embrace them on this movie. We're like, okay, next, next, next. Absolutely. And that was great, you know? Yeah, we learned to have trust in the no's, meaning yes. that it just wasn't gonna be a good fit. So we're trusting their no and we'll figure out something else. I, I really appreciate that. That's something to learn. I, I hear you saying mm-hmm. something about being consistent together as you were consistent together as a team. You sounds like you had a regular date schedule on the calendar, which we talk about all the time at Brave Maker. It's just got to be on your calendar. You've got to make it, you know, dr- our dreams don't just fall from the sky. We have to work for them. So it sounds like that was part of mm-hmm. it. Uh, and then the idea of Marianne, every no is actually a yes somewhere else. You just got to find it. I, I think I hear you saying when you get a no, that's actually a good sign that that's, that's, you know, why keep knocking on that door if that person doesn't see what you see? I think that's actually really mm-hmm. great. Uh, it's another way to look at it. It's actually a very positive way to look at it, which I have a hard time. Kate saying, love that trust in the nose. Yeah. I, I think that's really, really important. And, and then the, and I just want to add to the no, the no is better than maybe the worst answer is maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So- True. That's the worst. In limbo. Maybe it's just a delayed now, usually. So, <laughs> like, I so appreciate when I'm trying to sell something or pitching someone, like, the courage of no and the, the, the respect of the no is something I actually love, you know? I love that. Yeah. The courage of no. Yeah. You did get, I mean, you got Laura Dern to, to come on too. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. And then I would definitely want to talk about the, the theme of the film and, and you know, mm-hmm. beyond the grief, the idea that this is really striking for us as Americans, what's going on in our country. But can you talk about uh, how you got connected to Laura Dern? I'm just a big fan of her and her work. Yeah, Laura Dern and and, and her producing partner Jamie Lemons were emphatic yeses. Um, we Absolutely. showed them, we showed them a cut of the film, and um, they loved it and asked, you know, that, that whatever that they could do to support the film, they would do. And we said, well, do you want to come on board as executive producers? Um, you know, we love and admire um, the work that Jamie and Laura put out into the world. And, and now we're part of that universe. And, um, you know, Jay Walker Pictures, their company is doing great things. And Laura's an iconic um, actor and producer and Jamie's a powerhouse producer. So whenever you're making a, a tiny independent film, um, it's beneficial to have uh, powerhouse producers in your corner. And that's just what they are. They're mm-hmm. diligent and they're passionate and they're really connected to the film. You know, they're not these producers who just attach their names. They're, they're part and parcel, part of every uh, fabric of the film now. And um, it's pretty cool. Super supportive people. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about, you know, you're all as storytellers, heart behind the fact that this film really is pointing and poking at us uh, about our mass shooting problem, our, our epidemic of hate, especially in this past week, another one in, in I believe, Orange County area. Uh, it's just devastating. I, I'm a parent of three kids, and our kids are going back to school next week, and I yeah. feel like there's been a safety I've had this whole year. As hard as it's been to distant learn, I haven't feared that they might be a victim of a shooting. And I'm so glad our school just put 
you know, they spent the year making the school safer. So there's this huge ironclad fence now when you walk up to the school that some people kind of balk at. But as a father, I was like, okay, it gives me a little bit more sense of, of hope for the safety of my kids. But this is a real thing. So who, yeah, who would like to start just about, you know, the, the message of this film and what it's saying to us? I think the film starts from a place that we can all agree on. Just like what you're talking about, it's like we want all the kids to be safe in school. We don't want, you know, children, um, you know, to feel to die, you know, at schools. And we don't want that. And that also extends. It's like we also want people to be safe. It's like, you know, if you go to the grocery store or if you just go to work. And it's, I think that is a, a starting point that I think we can all kind of agree on and then kind of have greater conversations from there. Because all of us have our own family that we want to go home to and our family that we want to see. And I think if we can, and I hope the film is trying to bring to a, a begin at a point of agreement, and then we can kind of have these bigger conversations out of that. It's like, how do we do that? How do we protect that? And I hope the film uh, gives you some kind of action where then go, you know what, this is a real problem and it's been for a while. I'm going to go to do something and I'm going to go be part of the change. Marianne, Will, any comments? No, I, I feel the same way. I have two teenagers and they're going, they're in high school and in middle school and, um, you know, and they independent, you know, at different times have, have expressed fear, especially when one of these terrible, terrible tragedies happen. And so um, as a parent, you know, I've had those discussions with my own kids and, you know, really was, uh, you know, the reason why I wanted to be involved. Support. Yeah, yeah I, be I became a father during the making of this film, you know, and it's, um, it's, it's unfathomable to me that um, mm -hmm. you can send your kid to school and, you know, he could not come home. Mm -hmm. um, that, that happens. Um, you know, that happening once is one too many times, but mm -hmm. you know, it, 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 it's one of the cool things about storytelling that is, you know, by, by no means endemic to just our story. I'm just talking about art in general. Like, you know, I'm a pretty right brain person and I sort of experience the world through uh, film and art and music and literature. And that's kind of what speaks to me is story really. And um, there's something great about storytelling that it removes this, tragedy from statistics and the news cycle and there's an intimacy that you get to experience with it and so really this is just sort of our you know artistic rant on this subject you know like we wanted to explore the story through grief and through loss and i think too many times um you know people talk about um the loss and not enough about the life so um this was our offering to um this subject thank you for that so we usually start the show with your journeys. I know that Will and Michael, you guys are both actors and you met in acting class, but I want to back up and throw the question to Marianne first. How did this journey begin for you? Where were you born and raised and how did you get into filmmaking? Well, I am from a very tiny town in rural New Hampshire and um, I ended up coming out to California after college um, because a roommate lived out here and I had no exposure or interest uh, in film or entertainment, um, but, but soon developed that by living in Los Angeles. And, um, and I was lucky enough to get a job um, on Pocahontas 
uh, at Disney and that's where I started. And then um, I uh, was uh, worked under Jeffrey Katzenberg for many, many years and he started DreamWorks. Um, and I was like one of the first people there. And so I got to learn a lot, which was really great uh, because DreamWorks was a startup company back in 95. And uh, so I got to learn every aspect of animation and story and filmmaking. And uh, and so I spent most of my time at DreamWorks and at Warner Brothers. And then um, that's when I took a break and met Will and Michael. Very I love how you just, cool. you just fell into those things. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I checked out your IMDb and you got so many great credits and you're working with Jamie Foxx on a project coming up. That's fantastic. Yeah. So fun. Yep. Very Who's fun. next on the origin story here? Yeah, can we have Michael. Can we hear your origin story? Yeah. Sure. I was just, um, my parents fell in love and I was just so happy <laughs> that... <laughs> Sperm and an egg. It was, that's that's the beginning. It's magic. That'd be a, that's a great animation story right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> I uh, I grew up in northern northern California in uh, Redding, and then I lived in the Pacific Northwest a little. Then I went to Chicago, and I, I kind of cut my teeth acting in Chicago and writing, doing all kinds of stage plays and um, writing stuff there. So I did a bunch of Chicago. Then I eventually moved out to Los Angeles because. Uh, I was working in commercials and stuff in Chicago and that was going quite well. And I wanted to see what LA was like and what opportunities were here. And so then I showed up and it, and it just has been uh, quite, quite good. And there's just like a lot of opportunities here. I was kind of hoping it wasn't because I love Chicago. I was kind of coping that I would move to LA and it would only be like maybe like 10% or 15% better as far as the opportunity. And it was substantial. So I go, well, I guess I have to move where the work is right now. <laughs> so, so that brought mm -hmm. me here. And then it was just, uh, you know, but the whole time I had just been writing all kinds of different things uh, for the stage and then switching to the screen as well. I'm from Chicago Very as well, cool. Michael. So I share a yeah. love for the Windy City oh, too. Love Chicago, my friend. Love oh it. my God. Oh. So much to love. So much good food and entertainment and, and people, but not so much the weather. So California, it wins. It wins. Yeah, I, I sold my my show my snow shovel when I moved, so that was a big <laughs> moment. And I was kind of like, maybe I should keep it because this has been like my best friend shoveling out my car for like a decade. I should probably keep it, and I sold it. I'm like, treat it well, and I give it to someone, and the whole thing. I've, you're the first person I've ever heard sold a snow shovel. That's amazing. Like, I, I love that. I love that. It's so fun. All right, Will, your turn. Oh man, it's a long story, but um, let's uh, hear it. Let's hear it. I'll give you the, the short version. I mean, you know, honestly, I, I think I always wanted to be a writer when I was little. Um, I won a poetry contest when I was like, just a boy in my town. I think I wrote this poem about a dragon and the dragon killed my mother and then I killed the dragon. It was kind of a heavy uh, revenge story for like a little boy, but I remember I, I wrote nonstop when I was little and I was obsessed with story. But I remember everyone telling me that I was going to be a writer when I grew up. And I think I was like seven and I, I caved from the pressure and I quit. Um, and then I went to college and I, I fell in love with theater and I, I became an actor and I got a couple jobs and I did some movies and some pilots and some TV shows. And I love acting. I mean, my wife's an actor, my sister's an actor, my best friend's an actor. Um, but I, my, I think that at some point my, my acting career, um, 
just wasn't as fulfilling as I wanted it to be. And I think I had always secretly wanted to be a screenwriter. So um, I wrote a pilot and I sold it to Showtime. And then Rashida, my friend Rashida Jones and I wrote um, Celeste and Jesse Forever. And it got into Sundance. And all of a sudden I became uh, a writer. And then I've always wanted to direct. And, and honestly, you know, Marianne and, and Michael gave me the courage and the conviction to direct. And and now I want to continue to do that. But I mean, I've done everything on movies. I've, I've been a writer. I've been a producer. I've worked in wardrobe. I've worked in transpo. I've worked as a PA. Um, I'm just like, I'm from New Jersey and um, no one where I'm from was like in the movie business and to, to live in LA and, and work on movies. And it's just still really, really cool. I worked at Pixar for a couple of years. Um, and, um, but I love all of it. And I think that they all, um, it's the same cookie jar. Like mm -hmm. having been an actor made me a better writer and having been a writer um, is a nice transition to directing. And I think that they're all connected. I think a lot of people are like, well, what should I do? And I'm like, do whatever you can because it all matters. You know, they all connected. Will, can you talk a little bit about what is it like directing for an animation? Uh, to write a scene for animation? Yeah, directing. when you're when you're, when you're dire yeah directing, um, directing an animated what? scene. Yeah, you know what? Um, we spent so much time on if anything happens, I love you um, because we had to. The the material is so sensitive, and um, we wanted to be really scrupulous and thoughtful and nuanced. So. Um, but honestly, you know, I don't think it's dissimilar to live action, you know, um, you're just trying to get to the heart of something and whether it's an animator or an actor, you're just trying to get to the center. So, um, I think it's slightly more descriptive. And of course, if anything happens, I love you has zero dialogue, um, which seems easier, but is actually sort of maybe harder because you're trying to, um, interpret a scene without any words at all. But I think Michael and I both love that creative challenge. For those of you watching live, you need to make sure you go follow them on Instagram so you can see their their moments when they got their nominations. It's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, Michael, do you wanna add anything to the directing of the animation? We have some questions about that too, about just the, the directing of the piece. Yeah, I, I, it was wonderful. I mean, we came up, you know, uh, through stage and theater and it's like, you know, and this is like the ultimate, you know, kind of stage, you get to decide every little piece that's on it. And if you don't want that tree, you can take it off and you can kind of just build the set out that way. And then as far as like, you know, just any directing, it's like you're relating the emotional moments and the emotionality of these scenes to the animators. And, you know, we created reference videos where Will and I would like, you know, perform moments or looks and say we want this kind of look we don't want like the dad to like frown here or sigh we want it to have this more of like um like a moment i'm just thinking about like when the father comes into the room and sees the mom holding the shirt this is a moment we played with a lot and that moment we wanted the dad he actually has a smile he has a small smile and so we worked on this he's won a little smile when he realizes that that's that's daughter's shirt but then there's this also kind of heaviness because he also realizes that she's not here. And we wanted to put all this full range mm -hmm. of emotions into our characters. And we worked a lot with the animators directing that as opposed to, you know, every moment just kind of being like, 
oh, you know, because that's not what the film is. They're, you're experiencing everything. You're experiencing love. You're experiencing happiness. You're experiencing tears. And I've been personally, you know, I've been grieving. And, like, all of a sudden we're laughing and crying about the person who's lost. And you're la telling the crazy story about them. And you're laughing. And, and then you start crying. And it's like all of these emotions, I think, are tied up in grief. And we really wanted to kind of show that spectrum. And, and we related that to the animators as well. It's really cool. Uh, as we wrap up here, we'd love to have you all go around and share kind of a two-fold question is now that you're Oscar nominated, are things going to be so much more easy for you? We know that's not true, but what, what's, what's next for you and what, uh, what do you want to say to those who are wanting to break in, make stuff and do what you do? So what's next for you and what's, what, what piece of advice would you offer others wanting to do this? Well, we're going to do another. Oh, oh sorry, Mary. Yeah. No, go, Michael. Michael, go. Yeah. Oh, oh we're just going to we're going to do another short film. We've already written another short animated film, and and we're we're launching that. And then we all want to, you know, same our same little group. And then we also want to, you know, we're working on building out a feature. So we're going to be doing both of those. And as far as advice, I would give is like Will and Marianne and everyone was talking about these no's. I um, just like you got to let them go. Just just move past those no's. And I would say be consistent and find a story that you like that's in your heart and just be consistent with it and keep showing mm -hmm. up. And that, that and you don't, you don't have to be intense with it. It can be very minimal. So you don't have to stress yourself out. It could be just like 15 minutes a day, but I'm going to do it, you know, 15 minutes a week, but I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Or it's an hour or whatever that time is, but just be consistent and show up for the work. Great. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only thing I would add is, um, you know, uh, we were told no a few times, even even by Netflix, and we still kept banging on the door. And so, um, I guess the the message of the movie and the desire to get it out into the world uh, was more important than disappointment from no's. So, um, you know, just remember that. Remember what your north star is, and be fearless and and ask ask everybody and they may you may hear no but you may hear yes um, and uh, you know but but for sure anything that that you want to do any project you want to do is possible uh, you just got to find a way to move the needle forward ask a lot and then just just accept rejection and mm -hmm. uh, move on keep mm -hmm. asking. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Will. Oh, um, I, you know, for me, um, I, I, I love what you guys said. Um, additionally, you know, it's, it's, you just have to enjoy the process, right? Like it all comes back to process. You just have to fall in love with the work. And, you know, some of the happiest days of my life were building this film with Michael and Marianne, you know, like, I never thought we would get on Netflix. I never thought we'd get an Oscar nomination. I just, I just, we dove into the work and um, you know, this sounds corny, but it's true. The work is always there for you. You can always show up to the work and the work will always be there. You know, um, whether it comes out in the world as a giant success, who knows? but, but you, the work is always there for you every single day. And that was something for me that was really um, uh, empowering. As, a, as an artist to know that like, oh, I, I have some dominion over that. I have control. Lastly, I'll say, um, you know, with great risk comes great reward. Like, you know, 
the story that you're afraid to tell is probably the one that you should write down because that's the one that people need to hear. You know, so if it feels scary to you, go for that because that's probably um, the story that people need. So well said. So good. We love yeah. it. This is great. We're rooting for you. We're so glad you could be on our show. And we hope that whatever your next stuff is, we can support you and screen it and get people to follow. So please go and follow uh, on Instagram. If anything, film it's right there in the chat on the screen. If you're watching, if you're in, if you're listening to the audio later on replay, it'll be in the show notes, but now it's time to end with our brave faves, brave faves. TV shows, films, books, songs, technology, clothing, podcast, food, and more. These are a few of our favorite people, places, and things. Brave Faves. All right. Every week we got some suggestions and faves. We're going to start with you, Christina. What do you got? Awesome. Sticking with the theme of animation. If you're not familiar with Steve Cutts, race over to youtube type in steve cuts you got to check out his animation this is some again very powerful very cause driven uh start with man i highly recommend happiness as well right after that phenomenal phenomenal storytelling uh brought to life with some incredible minimal animation uh use of color is very powerful just all of it you know they're only four or five minutes but you have to watch them over and over and really see what he's doing here and it's like wow you know so that is my uh, brave fave for the week. Christina texted me that this week and I was watching it as I was moving, <laughs> as I was dealing with all these other things. I was like, dang, another thing I got to think about. Like, so good. I love that. Uh, Michael, what do you got? Um, for, I love that film. I, I've watched it so many times. That's a great one. Um, I want to awesome. say it's so good. It's so good. I want to say uh, Hank's Bagels. I know it's crazy, but I had never been there. And my friend said, hey, they're having a rough day. And I, I said, yeah, I'm kind of a little blue. And they said, what are you doing? And they said, do you know what's been getting me out of the pandemic? And I lean in. I'm like, wait, what? You got the secret? And they said, Hank's bagels. And I'm like, wow. And I went. And it really made my day. It was a great thing. And so it was super simple. I like bagels. I picked up some bagels from Hank's bagels. And they're in like Sherman Oaks and uh, Burbank. So go over there and get a bagel and just sit down and, and have a day. You know? <laughs> Gotta I love, love that. that. Come on. Yeah, there Hank. you go. Yeah. Hey, bagel, baby. Yeah, I don't work there. I just, I just literally have been there twice and it's, I highly recommend it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And they got a little fun little an animation, little illustration mm -hmm. there. I so know. How cool even is more. That? That's beautiful. All right, cool. Marianne, what you got? Um, I just got this as a present. Uh, Fleetwood Mac's rumor rumors album. So I'm replaying that and um, really enjoying it this week. So yes. kind of I love Fleetwood Mac. Heck yeah. Yeah. I love when people uh, fave some like old school music. It just makes me warms me up inside. I love that. Fleetwood Mac rumor. Go check it out. Okay, cool. And Will, what do you got? Well, I just want to say a bagel to with like eating a bagel to Fleetwood Mac is probably the cure for everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, can I do a place? Anything. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, on topic, there's an incredible organization in, in LA called Our House Grief Support Center. And they offer um, grief support and services to people who need it. And it's just an, an amazing place. Um, check it out online or, 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 yeah, it's a really incredible organization. I've done a little bit of work with them. 
and um, they're just awesome. So check them out. I love it. Let's support local businesses. Let's support yeah. people who need grief and therapy. And I think if you're mm -hmm. going to eat a bagel and listen to Fleetwood Mac and <laughs> get some grief support, as well as watch some great animation, you're going to have to have some nice slippers. So I am favoring, uh, I have three <laughs> pair of these right now. It's Lamo, L-A-M-O. I ordered them. I have three pair in my home. I have an outside pair, an inside house pair, and a room. <laughs> I'm a little obsessed. I've ordered more sweatpants and slippers this pandemic than anything. Uh, and I brought them to the office today so I could wear them cozy while I'm uh, doing my show today. So that's what I got. Slippers. <laughs> that's slippers. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. So before we go, let me say thank you to all of you who watched today. Please go and support our, our filmmakers and our creatives. This is why we exist. We are a 501c3 nonprofit that exists to elevate brave stories for justice. Justice. This film, if anything happens, I love you. It's about justice. It's about hope. It's about healing. It's about people coming together and being able to move uh, toward each other in the midst of extreme tragedy. And it's about putting a stop to harming uh, kids and to harming anybody uh, because of guns, gun control. We want to continue to do this work. Justice, diversity, and inclusion is our mission. And if you go to our website, uh, you can sign up for our e-newsletter. We send out free films, uh, classes on screenwriting, mentoring. We have fiscal sponsorships for emerging filmmakers. We have five filmmakers right now that have made films or are making films with our nonprofit. In fact, one of them, Hey Dad, is going to be premiering in about 13 minutes on this very YouTube channel. So Hey Dad is a short film written and directed by Joseph Abitia. He was in our screenwriting workshop in 2019 and 2020. We filmed in the pandemic last year, July, summer, and we've been editing and doing posts and music and all that fun stuff. And it's going to premiere today. We're so excited. If you would like to make a film like Marianne and Will and Michael, we would love to help you. This is why we're here. We're so glad we get mm -hmm. to do this work. And thank you so much for supporting us. Christina and I love doing this work every Friday. We are here talking to filmmakers from all around the world, and we hope that we can inspire you too. Will, Michael, Marianne, so great. Congratulations. We will be watching thank April you. 25th. Thanks for having us. Heck yeah, we're going to watch. We're rooting you on and we wish you the best. If you want to stay just for one more minute, we'd love to just grab a picture with you. And uh, Christina and I always end the show with this Brave Stories Change the World. And you are the story. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating and share with a friend. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.